Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers. Welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And come on, people. There's no movie now. The summer has begun, even though it's just early May, with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, starring my friend here, Chris Pratt. So it is great to have you here again. Thank you, Peter. I seem to have you whenever you do a Guardians movie. Hey. It's just it. Let's do, let's do that for the next 10 Guardians movies. But you know, that whole first movie changed you completely. Yeah, it really you know, did. I understand from your wife, Anna Faris, that you must be addressed as Star Wars at home. <laughs> really? That's right. Just by her. Just by her and anyone who enters our house, they have to call me Star Lord. But you Lord. have a four-year-old. Does he have to do it? Well, no, no, no. He, doesn't, he called me Mr. Star Lord. Because <laughs> well, he's uh, to show that's respect. That's so much better. Yeah. Or Daddy Star <laughs> Yeah. Or whatever My son couldn't care less. It's so funny. I'm Star Lord to kids all around the world. But to, to him, I ask him, who's your favorite superhero? Spider-Man. Okay. How about after Spider-Man? Star-Lord? No. Probably Thor. Maybe Hulk. So it keeps going oh, on. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Dad. Iron Man. I'm like, come on, man. He's like, you're not even a superhero. He Does he ask to carry meet a them? gun, that's it. Yeah, he wants to meet them. I, and it's so cool. Like, in that way, that's how, that was my in. I got, like, Tom Holland to do a, uh, a video for Jack. The new say spot. hello. He d- really did. Yeah, he and did. he totally did it. And so Jack has like a, you know, he's like, brags about having a video from the real Spider-Man. <laughs> so you have some degree of cool. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's, it's a, yeah. It's a, you can be Not nearly as much as I would have assumed. <laughs> no. Dang it. Well, can he see? He's young, right? He's just what, he's not he's, five yet? Yeah, he's just about five. But he, uh, he's seen, he's seen all, uh, he's seen the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And, um... And he's seen, like, Jurassic World and stuff like that. Now, this is, since the last time I saw you, yeah. huge fame. People stop you on the street. They throw popcorn at you, I'm sure. <laughs> but what happens now when you're doing volume two, when you have that? Is there pressure? Because you guys snuck up on all of us. Right. When I heard about Guardians, I thought, what is that? Is that like the, right. the bastard child of the Marvel Universe? Exactly, yeah. And then it, we all saw it and went... <clears throat> right. I think any I think wisdom will tell you that one key to success is lowered expectations. <laughs> and so uh we did. We snuck up on people and I think we benefited from them not having any expectations. And there were there was a lot of pressure because for all of us we knew it could be a life-changing event for the director, for myself, for all the other cast members p- relatively unknown group of people. Uh, this this was an opportunity for us to be sort of catapulted into this next stratosphere mm-hmm. if it worked, and so the pressure was there, but it wasn't expectations. Mm-hmm. It wasn't audience expectation pressure. This time around, it is different. There is there is an expectation. People are really excited. They're really thrilled. They love these characters. They do not want us to do anything to dishonor this. What's become this franchise, mm-hmm. and so that pressure is. We feel that, but but. The script, the, the idea was so good. The script was so good. We hit the ground running. We knew exactly how to play these characters. You know, James Gunn, our writer-director, wrote this script with each of us now in mind. The first script he wrote before ever casting any of us. Hoping he had a bunch of other people. Well, instead he, he got you instead guys. he got us. Right, yeah. But we were, trying to, we were trying to tailor ourselves to fit these characters, as you do as an actor. But the second time around... We got to tailor from both sides. He got to write with our voices in mind. And so in that regard, it was a much easier process. So as much as we felt more pressure, it actually felt easier to do. 
Well, but also you, and it does change. It becomes, I think, it's funny, but it also has emotional thing right. in it. Yeah, because, it does. You're, well, I don't know if I always have to call you Star Lord. Yes, you do. You were also Thank you. Thank a you, Peter. Peter Quill. Yeah, we can go. We were double Peter. We're double both Peters. Double Peter. Yeah, the double Peter. Definitely pop, double Peter popcorn. That. The triple. But nobody P. ever cares to call you that. Yeah, the only one who really calls me Peter is Gamora, mm-hmm. and that's. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of my relationship with, say, like. At home, my mom and my sister and my cousins call me Christopher. No one calls really? me Christopher because they call me Pratt or Pratt, Pratt, Pratt or Pratt, Pratt, Pratt. Chris I like Pratt. That. They call me Chris Pratt, <laughs> but no one calls me Christopher except for very few people. So, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, Gamora is is um, she calls me Peter, <laughs> and she sense. does. Yeah. And and a lot of things are happening there because there's a lot of sexual tension between the two. There is. There's some yeah, we can we continue to explore the tension between Gamora and Quill and you know this really is that's th- there are several threads, several storylines going through and a lot of different relationships we explore. There we explore Peter and Gamora, we explore Quill and his his biological father, who's Ego the Living Planet played by Kurt Russell. That's How that I, is the coolest thing. Oh, right. Yeah. That is the coolest mm-hmm. thing. And uh, and also we we explore you know Gamora and Nebula and this sister the, the the sibling rivalry and you know and much like families if the first movie is about falling in love and finding a family this movie is about maintaining that love and and maintaining that family and so you know uh, the relationships they're a little deeper and, and it does result in something far more emotional. I think in the first movie. Well, I love that there's two fathers really. There's it's right. a surrogate father that Michael Rooker plays right. so well with you. Yeah, it really is a contemporary parent to child tale, you know, about the absentee father and and the and like you said the surrogate father, this like sort of adoptive father figure and how we build up, you know, relationship, we build up expectations in our mind of what something could be, you know, if an absentee father or like an ex-girlfriend or whatever, we oftentimes build them up to be something that could never possibly really be <laughs> because we long for this thing that doesn't exist. And oftentimes that forces us to overlook what we have in our lives already. And we, so we explore those themes with this relationship. Well, when your father's an actual planet, you know, I think that's pretty much, you can't, <laughs> you can't really better than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I For mean, that to be like, wow. I'm your father. This is pretty cool. Right. It turns out dad was pretty awesome. <laughs> in, in many ways. Yeah, But in I many don't want to get into yeah, territory about that. But I remember last time you were here, you were talking about the times where you had no jobs. You were living right. in Hawaii. Yeah. You were in a trailer. Right. Yeah, van. <laughs> A van. It was a van, so it wasn't yeah. even a trailer. We didn't have a trailer. It was just. It was this little thing. <laughs> we big time. Thinking what? Thinking, thinking what? where? How? What am I going to be? What is? What is it in this world? I think there was a certain uh, freedom in that moment that I wasn't really thinking about anything. This is very much z- the Zen of van maintenance. <laughs> I should write my own book. <laughs> zen and the art of van yeah. maintenance. Um, I was just kind of enjoying the moment. I was about about twenty. I just finished a career in door-to-door sales, which lasted about two years. Door-to-door sales. Yep. I had heard you'd done, you had one of the best jobs ever, which was waiter at uh, Bubba Gump Shrimp. That's right. Yeah, I was now a waiter when I was in Hawaii, yeah. I always loved to go there to get a free lunch 
when I can answer the questions about Forrest Gump. Oh, you, oh my oh. God. You would be the dream patron. I would, if I wish I'd have been your waiter when you oh. came in, because I would have tried to stump you. They really weren't hard questions. Yeah, they, we, we kind of throw, <laughs> throw some real softballs. <laughs> but yeah, I bet you you could do pretty good. So were you doing that, quizzing? Let me ask you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, welcome to Open Gump Shrimp Company. <laughs> Um, Did you do there you go. There you go. Pass out the drink. Exactly. Drink paddle. Man. Look at the drink paddles. Get yourself a margarita. Uh, uh, real quick, Bubba Gump, uh, Forrest Gump trivia. What type of soda was Forrest Gump drinking, drinking when he met the president? <laughs> see, I would have completely failed. Oh, see? I would have, see, you know all that now. 14 Dr. Peppers. He had Dr. My Pepper. God. When you hang with Tom Hanks, then yeah. you can just, just stump him. Just nail him with Bubba Gump trim. Tri trivia. I'm sure he would love that. I tried to make him go with me in he, Santa Monica. He wouldn't to go? do that, and he just wouldn't. What? There was no sense of uh, humor about it. Oh, man. It could have been you. You could have been there. I will go. Waiting on I will us go to, to Bubba Gump Shrimp Company with you in Santa Monica. But which was that job that helped form you to be the Chris Pratt I'm talking to today? Which of these very strange jobs? You know, I think I was just talking to my wife about this yesterday. I think probably door to door sales. Was was the great the best training ground to mm -hmm. sharpen the tools that were required to go out and hit the ground to audition and to face rejection as an actor over and over expose yourself say here's what I got you interested in buying no cool man see you tomorrow <laughs> and then walk off like there's a whole process to years and years of people telling you no mm -hmm. and and an attitude that's required to be able to face that and understand where where you're at so you know that was the, there was a reason I was good at door-to-door -door sales, and I, and I think that thing about me carried over into acting. And so I'd say that was the job that, you know, just walking into a room full of strangers and, and, and selling yourself, that, that's a big part of, of acting, at so least getting jobs as an actor. That helped you when you were auditioning for something where you could tell that they didn't think you were the person they were looking for. To every, yeah, yeah, which is every audition. I mean, you, uh, you, you audition... I don't know what the ratio would be, but my guess is somewhere around 25 to 50 times before you get a job. And each of those times, you walk in there thinking you're the best for the role, if you're smart. That's the, that's the mindset mm -hmm. you put yourself into. Or if you're just, you know, blissfully ignorant, like I was when I first came to Hollywood. I think this was the, and uh, I just had the, the benefit of being foolish. You know, I had hubris. I was like, of course you're going to hire me. You didn't? Oh, that's crazy. Well, the next guy will. They didn't either? Wait, something's going on here 50 auditions later. One of these days, this is going to work. Well, like when it didn't, like when you auditioned for Star Trek, what yeah. is the reaction that you get? Do you know right away that they're thinking not of you? Yeah, yeah. On that one, I was. I think there was that. I mean, I can't even tell you the number of, of things I went out for that I didn't get that I was certain I wouldn't get in the moment while I was doing it. Maybe I'm a little overweight, I'm feeling insecure about the way I look, or I'm sweating halfway through the audition, or I stumble the lines, or, you know, uh, say like, here's a camera right here, and there's this gentleman here is operating the camera. If I'm doing an audition, I see that guy's eyes just kind of glaze over halfway through my audition. <laughs> like, this is not going so well. That happens all the time, man. It's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, and, and, and you, build, you build these relationships with these casting directors, but oftentimes you're not even meeting the casting director, you're meeting their assistant. And so you have to impress their assistant to get to the next level, a callback. Then you meet the casting director. And then if you're lucky, you get a callback from there. Then you meet the producers. 
and you know there's all you get to the next level you get to the next level each one is a tiny victory along uh, on your way and especially when you're a guy who is just a waiter in Hawaii living in a van these are all exciting those victories are the victories you you're hanging your hat on well, yeah you i know? would think like, sweet do you not know that i was in a van in hawaii yeah, exactly. for x number of months yeah you know? <laughs> yeah. really yeah. what's wrong with you people <laughs> you know so what was that first thing that you got that was the first was job it Everwood that TV? I got that was like once after I'd moved to L.A. Because mm-hmm. it, was, it was getting a job that moved me to L.A. So then after I moved to L.A., the first job that I got was, was a job. It was a big and a very important job for me because it was, um, it was uh, got me my SAG card. And it was on a U- I was a guest spot on a USA show called The Huntress starring Annette O'Toole. And and Jordana Spiro and I played a character named Nick, who was like a runaway ex-boyfriend, and I had no idea what I was doing. Some I remember. I walk, gotta find this. Oh gosh, it was bad. <laughs> I you can tell that at that point in my career I could not afford a haircut, <laughs> and uh, I'd been in Hollywood probably eight or nine months, and I got this job, and uh, that was my SAG card job. <laughs> And uh, I, at one point, there was a, I, I did the scene, my first scene. I walked out, stood up, I delivered my line, cut. I was like, I just, I think I nailed that. And the sweet camera operator walked over, just pinched my shirt, pulled me about six feet over to my mark, and said, <laughs> you're going to want to stand there when you say that line so we can actually film it. <laughs> and now, and now, at, now, I now, I know now it's everything. You know what's going the on only to thing do that. <laughs> All right, well, you know, Chris, because you've been here before that we end in song. Now, the last time you were great because you said, you know, this is a movie that the first Guardians of the Galaxy, we had the awesome mixtape volume one. Right. Now we have volume two. Yeah. But I told you how when I had a Chad Bozeman on who was playing James Brown that he wouldn't yeah. do a James Brown song. And you went right into uh, a James Brown song? A good, you did that. Oh, you I did, did it immediately. <laughs> and it just went viral. It was did just it? people oh, loved it. Okay. But what is on the Pratt 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 awesome mixtape? What are you My listening? own awesome mixtape? Um, I've been listening to a lot of Chris Stapleton lately. Mm-hmm. Do you know Chris Stapleton? Oh, God, yeah. He's so great. Mm-hmm. He, he can really sing. Um, so I've got Eric Church, Chris Stapleton. But what can you give me? Oh, <clears throat> oh um. You spend my nights out in a ballroom. I wish I had my guitar. Boom, boom, boom. And it's a real, real slow song it to is. sing without a guitar. Whiskey was the only love I'd ever known. Boo-doo. Boom, 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 boom. Well, you rescued me from reaching for the bottom. And uh, with your love, oh boy, <laughs> nailed that. <laughs> so that's really? there. There's your viral okay. bit. Next. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, oh was I was. You know, I've been next. in London, so I've. Been, oh, how about? We all live in a yellow submarine. A yellow submarine. A yellow submarine. Not difficult as the lyric. Thank you, yeah. Yes, yeah. but I, I sang that to my it. son the other day, and it was really good. He really liked it. See, we've been he in London. would love that. Yeah, we've been you in London. You can't be doing the chain. You yeah. Know, from yeah, I can't sing the chain. That's another thing. It's so musical. It's like, it's not really lyric-driven. So if I had my full band out here, All right, next then time, I would really knock it next out. Next time the, the band is here. Okay? Ooh, I started sweating there, Peter. <laughs> wow. I don't know how this happens to fearless actors. Really? Yeah. Just yeah, I, we're, it, you know, it's acting is embarrassing. 
Acting is embarrassing. <laughs> and, 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 and we're good at acting. It. So singing is especially, especially embarrassing, embarrassing because I'm not good at singing. <laughs> Oh, come on, that's so not true. Oh, it's true. You dance, you sing, you do the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but I have the, the benefit Star of like being auto-tuned and, 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 and I, <laughs> I have the benefit of, of, a, of a mindful director polishing my performance but, in the edit bay. <laughs> I'm counting on your editors to put <laughs> my Chris Stapleton together as like it a will Grammy be. award-winning We'll version. have him come on and be with you duet. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Peter. Thank it's you always so, so much. great to that talk to you. Great. <laughs>